What's up, guys? Welcome back to the show. This is Free Wine and Unleavened Bread. Again, I am your host, Dalton Lott, along with Whitney Williamson. Hey. And David Overstreet. What's up? And this week we have a guest on the show. Her name is Alicia Knudsen. I hope I said that right. Yeah. Okay, sweet. Uh, Alicia is from Iowa, did you say? Harlan, Iowa, yeah. Harlan, Iowa. Okay, nice. Uh, well, today on the show we're going to be talking about creativity in the church. First, let's let's learn a little bit about you, Alicia. Oh, hopefully I know myself. <laughs> <laughs> Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, um, currently I'm employed at Impact Church as a facilitator. I get the privilege to lead and develop the creative team. They're all really awesome. You know, I learn a lot from them. I have a younger brother and a sister, and they're my best friends. I like to paint the face of Jesus. Mm, okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah, and uh, I went to school for photography, commercial photography. I moved to Nashville to pursue high fashion photography. But then God took me into a different direction, and now I actually teach it at my church. And dabble into videography, teaching myself so I can teach that. <laughs> okay. And um, I feel like, is that, is that good enough? Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. So you kind of grew up with creativity kind of in your face. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah. Just uh, surrounded by photography, painting, music. Oh, yeah, music. Forgot that one. <laughs> she just got her hands in everything. Yeah. 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 Uh, I've known a few people growing up like that, you know, just have their hands in just yeah. pretty much everything artistic that they can. Yeah. Um, did I hear at one point that your Jesus paintings, they actually ended up in a gallery, gallery the somewhere? The art crawl. Oh, the Raw Showcase. Yes. Yeah. I did the Raw Showcase in Iowa first for photography. Okay. And I was really zealous about photography, like super ambitious, but it was very selfish. <laughs> and um, then when I moved here to Nashville, in pursuit of that, I was just hungry for something real, and I remember I was talking to this atheist, and he was really challenging my faith, and I realized, I was like, wow, I don't even know why I believe what I believe. Mm. And so then, um, you know, whenever there's a hunger there, God is so faithful to fill that. And I remember just really seeking, and I, I used to work at Red Robin, and I had, I was pursuing this photography business, you know, and just, one day I quit everything. I quit photography, I quit my job, I wasn't even like painting I quit music and I just man I just sought the face of the Lord and um the scriptures really just came alive to me and I remember <laughs> during this time so I had I was pursuing photography so I had all this money saved up and I remember God was telling me all that money that you so selfish ambitiously pursued I want you to give it away and so I was like, all right, <laughs> you know, because I don't have a job or nothing. And he told me not he told me not to go look for a job. And so I was sitting in my closet every day and I would just seek the face of the Lord. And I was learning to hear his voice. And he would tell me exact people and where they were going to be at and how much money I should give them. Mm. And I probably gave a total of about ten thousand dollars away. Oh, wow. And I wasn't making nothing. And I remember I was kind of tripping, you know, because I'm paying my bills. And I'm like, all right, God, you know, should I be looking for a job here? Or what's going on? And um, my sister is a worship leader at Impact Church. And so naturally, I was going to Impact Church. Mm. And um, I ended up being on the worship team, playing the keys with her. And there was a night there that Pastor Bill was like, you know, I'm looking to hire 
someone here at the church. And so I ended up going to this interview, and his daughter is so, she's just so gifted administratively. And I'm just so not, <laughs> you know? And um, I'm sitting there at this table where like, Demas is, actually. And um, <laughs> she's like, okay, so she's interviewing me and all this stuff. And then finally when she tells me what the job position was, she's like, to be the administrator of the church. And I was like, mm. what? And, okay, what is funny about this is I remember kind of like when I was in um, Iowa and even when I first moved to Nashville area, I was looking at jobs at a church and everyone was in an administrative position. I was like, not qualified, not qualified, not qualified. I'm sitting at this table and she's offering me this administrative job. And I was like, on the inside, my heart sunk. And I was like, I'll take the job. Let's do it. <laughs> and so it was such, for a year, I was the administrator of the church. And it really challenged me and it grew me and it refined me because I believed that I needed that skill along with creativity for it to flourish. But during that, Pastor Bill was like, hey, do you want to start painting murals? Because my sister told him that I painted. And I was like, I don't paint. I don't know what you're talking about. What he did was he put up this chalk wall in our church. Mm -hmm. And um, what he would do is he would give me the series title of his series. And he'd be like, I want you to just, I want you to draw something to go with this. And it was hard for me because I, I didn't really know the word that well. And I was learning how to be inspired by the word of God rather than like worldly things or emotion and stuff like that. And it really just challenged me. And so, um, you know, I got into doing murals and scripture-based type stuff. And then eventually I started painting and paint. I really like faces. And so I was painting the face of Jesus. And the more stuff like that I accumulated art-wise, I remember we were doing a 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I started seeing all these ads for the Raw Showcase in Nashville. And I remember God being like, I want you to, I want you to submit into that. And I was like, no. He's like, yeah, I want you to do that, but I want you to do it with your paintings. And I was like, you know, Nashville is just has a lot of talented people, you know. And I was like, they have to accept you, you know. Like, yeah. you don't just do it. And I was like, they're going to know that all my stuff is Christian and Jesus. And I didn't think that, literally, that that's the reason why I didn't think that they were going to. I was like, whatever, God, I'll do it. Well, I got accepted. <laughs> and, um, you know, I was so surprised because I was not doing this in my own strength. When I was in Iowa doing it for photography, I was doing it in my own strength. It was just failing. I ended up not selling enough tickets and had to pay for the rest. I sold the most tickets out of the show, and I didn't even try. Oh, and wow. I sold the most artwork there, and I wasn't. that wasn't even why I was there, you know. And people would <laughs> – there was this dude who was looking at this. Um, it was actually based off of – it was an Easter piece, and – Really, I drew Golgotha as a skull because it means the place of the skull where Jesus was crucified, and I put a tomb on top of it, and I put it in the Valley of Dry Bones, and I, like, did this metaphorical thing and whatnot. And he would come, and he would stare at it, and then he would stare at Jesus that was hanging up next to him. He'd be like, you know, I'm such an angry person, but I just feel so much peace right here. I'm like, yeah, man, you'd be feeling the peace. <laughs> and... um. He was like, yeah. He's like, I like you. And then he would, like, go away. And then he would come back. And he like, they're just, I just like the peace over here. He's like, we have a lot in common. You know, I like schools and bearded men, too. He had no idea what it was even oh, up, man. you know. But he ended up buying some stuff. And I know that. I just know that, you know, that that's a seed planted. And 
um, one day he's going to know what it really was and Holy Spirit's going to connect it and it's going to speak to him in some way. And really, that's what I like about art and creativity because it's powerful and um, it has a voice, you know, and yeah. art is supposed to be life giving. Right. So anyways. That's awesome. Well, that uh, that you already answered one of the questions I was going to ask you later on. Um, we'll get to that later on anyway. Um, but just the fact that you're able to plant seeds with your artwork and that the Holy Spirit works through that, that's that's amazing. Kudos to you for listening to the Holy Spirit and, you know, putting your yes on the table. You know? Thanks, Matt. Um, well, uh, it's great to meet you. Absolutely. You know? It's a privilege. Um, <laughs> let's take it back a step. Let's... Like, we talk about a lot of things within the show, but sometimes it's so broad spectrum. So I was just going to see if you could define creativity a little bit for us, because a lot of people hear the term, and they think of, oh, you know, it's it's art or whatever, but they don't really know what it means. Okay, so when I, when I think of creativity, I don't limit it to just artists. I think everyone is creative, because we are made in God's image, and he's the creator. So, <laughs> you know what's really cool is... We first learn that God is the creator before we learn that he's love, before we learn that, you know, mm. he's peace or any of these other things. And I think that that is significant. And most people don't, they disqualify themselves of, of being creative because they put it in a box. And like creativity by definition is outside of the box. Mm. So if we're made in the image of God, you're a creative being. Now, in the beginning... <laughs> This is the thing with creativity. So God had a structure and he had a plan. In Genesis, everything was in a structure. It was in an order, right? When Satan came and he deceived Eve about this apple, right? And she took that bait and um, the fall of man happened. And it disrupted the order and the structure of God. And with the fall, there was destruction. So I believe that anything that destroys is opposite of creativity. That means creativity is anything that is life-giving, anything that is truth, scriptural base, anything from God, anything that builds, anything that restores, anything that heals. And destruction is anything otherwise. So how you destroy, we're called to destroy the works of the enemy. Well, you do that by being creative. You do that by, by using your words. What is, God spoke everything into existence with words, right? Mm. He used his voice. He worked with wisdom. We, we know that from Proverbs. Wisdom was alongside of him. And it wasn't the wisdom of man. You know, it was the wisdom from above that the world sees as foolish. Well, that's creativity too. Yeah. You know? And so God worked alongside wisdom. And he, the Holy Spirit was there. And Jesus was there, obviously light. So when you are abiding with Jesus, you're abiding with light. You know, let there be light. So in your life... If, if you are allowing light to be in your life, because we're children of light, right? So when the light comes in, into your life, when you allow that, it searches and exposes and it turns things into light. So you become light and you live out light. So you can you, you see, you know, truth and everything that you're doing. God is overflowing from you. You are clothed in power. God's creative power. Creativity is power. Mm. Yeah. And so creativity is healing. And you see that with Jesus, you know, like all these Pharisees, all these religious people. So <laughs> this is the church. When the church got religious, all the creative people, it's because they quench creativity in the church. That's true. Mm. 
And that's why you see all these artists and all these people who know that they're creative, you know, they feel unwelcomed in the church because it's religious. Creativity is not of religion because creativity is of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so when Jesus was walking the earth, you know, he called out all the Pharisees on their religion. And because the Pharisees did not understand Jesus because of Jesus's creativity, because he was a word made flesh, he was a living expression, which is what creativity is. It is a living expression. You know, Jesus cast out demons. You know, he laid his hands on the sick and they were healed. That is creativity. Healings are creative. Yeah. How he spoke with authority, that's creativity. See, creativity is also authoritative. If Creativity is a manifestation. And so for that manifestation to happen, that means we have to use authority, the name of Jesus that he gave us, and we have to speak to the barrier that is actually destructive, and we have to cast that out in order for cre creativity manifest and build. So it's like bind and loosing almost. Mm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I love yeah. how you describe creativity as like a weapon almost. Yeah. To fight. Creativity must be exercised. Right. The more you exercise it, the stronger it is and the easier it is. Right. And the more inspired you become to right. break through the resistance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there at the, uh, the end of uh, you explaining creativity, you spoke about authority. And uh, that brings me back to the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, he comes back and his father uh, runs to him and then has a servant go fetch his robe, uh, his r family ring and uh, I think there was something else, uh, but I want to focus on that ring. So that ring uh, was a symbol of their family and the authority that their family has. It was, that ring was their reputation. So the father gifting him that ring after he's coming back, that is saying, you still have the reputation of this family. Mm. Um, and so that gave him authority in the town, I guess, that they're in. I think it's a hypothetical town because it's a hypothetical story, but but so we are called to have authority because we've been accepted again into the family by the father. Um, a lot of Christians don't realize that they don't realize that they have authority in this life to spread the name of Jesus, to be creative in his name. Um, and so I think it's really important that we remember that we do have that authority. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was really good that you brought that up. Yeah. So that is what creativity is. Yeah. <laughs> what advice, um, would you give somebody that's maybe always used emotions as their inspiration? Right, yes. <laughs> used to be me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want to throw your testimony in there, too. I think that it is important. So what we were talking about in the beginning about structure and design, you know, God had a structure and a design. So you as a human being, your identity is a structure and a design. And it is so important that you know that because... When you know that, there is a there's a confidence there. And how you know that is by knowing God face-to-face -face in an intimate way. And when you know him, then you know yourself, you know your identity. That means you become more free, so creativity can flow freely from you. When you are, f when you are free and you know God and you know his word and you know your identity, you have a foundation. When you have a foundation... You are less led by your feelings than you are by truth. So there is this, um, I'm going to give two examples in the Bible about this. Because 
you know, I don't want to, like, hate on feelings because I think that um, it can get a little bit religious. Now, I don't think that a lot of people, you know, a lot of people live by their feelings rather than by faith, and I don't think that that's wise. However, you know, I have found that the more um, Christ-like friends or teachers that I have, you know, they're very quick to be like, oh, don't follow your emotions or whatnot, and that is good advice. Yet, to someone who feels very deeply, they can feel condemned about their emotions and suppress it, and that just hardens your heart, and that is religious. So, like I was saying, two examples. The first one, Jesus was, when he went to go raise Lazarus, right, and Lazarus was dead, and he comes, and um, I believe that it was Mary and Martha, and they were sad because their brother died, and they were saying that Jesus was too late, and it says that Jesus was deeply moved and he wept. Now, if emotions were a waste of time, I believe he just would have went right over to Lazarus, been like, hey, wake up. It, but it wasn't a waste of time for Jesus to sit there and, and weep and cry and connect with them, you know. But this is the thing. Jesus was not moved and inspired by that sadness because his action was life-giving. I studied that word, deeply moved, and it means to be so angry at the demonic. And Jesus used that sadness and that emotion not to be swayed back and forth, but to activate the word of God. And he acted on truth. And he went to that grave and he rose Lazarus from the dead, which is a creative act. And I think that, you know, as an artist, when you, you know, like, you connect with what you paint, with what you express, with what you play, you know, because it's coming from you and you should connect it. I believe that you should feel it. But there's going to be times where you don't. But in those times, you have to, the more that you know who you are and the more that you, you have like this zealous and, and this, this passion for what you're doing, like you have the heart of the Father, therefore like your emotions are from the heart of the Father and how God is deeply moved for his sons and daughters, how Jesus was deeply moved towards Lazarus and the people crying, you become deeply moved to the lost and it gives you a sense of purpose to create. Not, not to create from a depressed state of mind or a sad state of mind or an isolated state of mind or an angry state of mind or whatever that is because what comes out of you then? Well, it's going to be sad. And people may relate to that, but it's going to keep people trapped in that. Mm. Because what you are a slave to comes out of you. I know that that is like such a touchy subject um, to creative people in general artists in general because people are led by their feelings and that's how that's how um people identify and relate but i think that if you connect so much to feelings without the word of god you just don't know who you are mm. yeah. you don't know who you are you don't have a sense of identity if you don't have a sense of identity you don't have a sense of purpose that means what you are expressing and what you're creating it's not advancing the kingdom of god because you don't even know the purpose Second example, kind of, but yeah. So when uh, Jesus, in Mark chapter 5, Jesus uh, was walking, and this guy was like, man, my daughter's dying. She's 12 years old. Come heal her. You know, Jesus is going to heal this guy's daughter. And this woman comes up behind him, and she receives her healing and holds Jesus up for a minute. And, uh, <laughs> you know, by that time, someone comes 
to the guy and says, your daughter has died. Don't bother the teacher anymore. And Jesus goes, nah, don't listen to that. Like, don't yield to fear. Don't be influenced by fear. You know what you're influenced by is what you ultimately are inspired by. That's good. Okay, so they go to this house, and everyone's laughing at Jesus when he says, little girl sleeping. I don't know about you, but I feel like a lot of creative people, you know, they get laughed at because, you know, they don't know, people can't relate to them. They can't connect to them because they're so, like, weird or outside the box or too feely. I don't know, whatever you want to say. But Jesus didn't, he shook that off too. And he told them to get out of the room. So like we were talking about authority, you got to take authority over that, whatever is going on in your head, whatever is trying to cause resistance in your life, whatever's trying to define you, hold you up. You got to get that out in the name of Jesus. Get that out of the room, out of your heart, out of your mind, whatever it is. And then you have to move in with your creativity, with life, and I mean, he rose her from the dead. She became alive. But you see, here, Jesus was not influenced off of people making fun of him or fear, which are emotions as well. So how you know, he, he still was moved, though, because creativity is a movement. You move with the Holy Spirit. You keep in step with the Holy Spirit, but it is always life-giving. But you will have to use your authority to get whatever is trying to lie to you and hold you up and whatever is being destructive for you to come in and manifest and build and express. I think an interesting thing you hit on was like um, what you're a slave to comes out of you. Um, a lot of people, I feel like with their creativity, they're fighting that. But it's interesting that you say you actually might be making that worse or keeping that inside, um, that, that thing that's holding you down. Mm-hmm. So. That's, that's such a new way of thinking about it that I never even thought about. There's, a, there's two things that I wanted to say. Um, so the first was that New Vision, the church that I attend here in Murfreesboro, actually had a series on emotions um, a couple of months ago. Maybe it was back in 2019. Uh, but it was the series was called Smoke Signals. Um, and so the premise was that emotions shouldn't drive our decisions, but they should be smoke signals to how we should go about those decisions or how we should think about those decisions. They should be warnings to us. They shouldn't drive decisions, but they should they should get our attention yeah. um, and make us more aware of what's going on in our lives and in our own hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we definitely we definitely need to pay attention to what our emotions are because they're yes. God given. Yes. Um, creations themselves are create are creative. You know, they're uh, God get created them to, uh, in this sense, be smoke signals to us. Um, the second thing that I wanted to say um, was about using those emotions in your creativity, in your artwork, uh, whatever that artwork is. I completely agree that you shouldn't do those things out or you shouldn't create out of those emotions. But I think you can still uh, add them into it as long as the gospel is proclaimed in it. Mm-hmm. Um, That's where the testimonial part, the hope, comes in. Yeah. Like you can't really s- necessarily always see the hope unless you actually see where you came from. Right. Yeah. And so um, I think artwork is so beautiful when it's not just saturated with happiness or contentness, but it is those strong emotions 
but it leads to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that mural that you've painted of Jesus's face. And when I see that mural, I see Jesus, but also see the pain that he went through. I see the heartache for his children. And I see on top of all that, rather outshining all of that love. Because love isn't always happy. Sometimes love is sad. Sometimes love is angry. Sometimes love is... Love is passionate. Love is passionate. I heard this thing one time, and it was talking about... It was a sermon on passion. And it's like, what you're passionate for is what you're willing to suffer for. Yeah. It's not something that's easy. And so whenever I I see that painting, I see that same passion and that Jesus was willing to pay that price and take that for us. Yeah. And so... Uh, whether it's a whether it's a song, whether it's a mural, whether it's painting, painting, landscape, anything creative um, that you can add that emotion to, but then have the hope of Jesus Christ in it, I think it's just absolutely wonderful because it adds depth mm-hmm. to what seemingly is surface level. Um, you know, when I hear most of the Christian songs on the radio, it feels surface level to me. It's like, oh, Christians are happy. Man, that's great for them. You know, I don't think I don't, that's not what Christianity is. Christianity is hard. It's not easy. We're, it's not, we're not even told it would be easy. We're told it's going to be hard. We're told we're going to be prosecuted. We're told that we're going to suffer. And so I think we should not deny that we're suffering. We should not deny that it's hard. We should not deny that we're being prosecuted. Mm-hmm. Um, but rather talk about those things in light that it's all going to end and that Jesus has won. Mm-hmm. And so artwork is just so beautiful when it says that to me. I really like what you had said and David pointed out, pointed it out as well as far as, you know, what comes out of you is what you're influenced by. And pastor said it before, what you put in is what you get out. For example, like with a tube of toothpaste, what do you expect mm-hmm. to come out of it when you squeeze it? Mm-hmm. Toothpaste. So what somebody is putting in as well is also what comes out of them. And you know, that's where their heart's at because that's where you spend your time. Mm-hmm. Where you spend your time, that's what gets put in you. Mm-hmm. That's what comes out of you later. I think that was really, really good. Mm-hmm. Um, how could you stay culturally relevant while not conforming to the world with mm-hmm. doing, you know, art and creativity in the church? Mm-hmm. I believe that the Word of God is alive. If you are in your Word every day, you're going to know the word that is alive for that day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there is a relevant, there is a highlighted word, and that's what makes it prophetic. It's, what is the word God's speaking now? Okay, so there, (laughs) hopefully this, like, fits with what, with the question that you're asking. Um, Culture has a way of being creative, and really I look at it, and I see so many talented and gifted and beautiful people um, who will own the fact that they're creative and they know that. And because it is worldly, it is twisted and it is deceived. And creativity that is supposed to be such a free spirit has put a facade and has enslaved people, but they think that they're being free. Yeah. What you crave for is one of the elders in the church. um, One time she came up to me and she was like, it is so important for you to crave the Holy Spirit, Alicia. And, you know, it was during a tough time. 
in my life. And I found that, you know, a lot of creativity, creativity has helped me endure through so much. And, um, you know, that's where a lot of the emotion comes through for me is through the endurance. And because, I mean, you can't endure unless you got a hope, man. Otherwise, you are not enduring and you're really not waiting on the Lord, you know? Yeah. Unless you have that hope and, you kn- and you're confident in God and what he said to you. Um, but the more that you crave Holy Spirit and, and you get to know Holy Spirit, you, you, do, you become free. And the words that God speaks to you. So when God sends forth his word, it says that it ain't going to be void. And he's behind you saying, this is the way walking it. You know, my ways are higher. That means like you're not, you're going to be walking above what culture says. And you're probably going to be trailblazed in some ways because I'm trying to get my word in, in these dark places and these places that people haven't walked before. But I'm saying, this is the way walking it. I'm behind you. It's a higher way. And I sent forth my word and I promise it isn't going to return void. But this is the thing, man. God wants to co-labor with you he wants to collaborate with you it's not just like god's doing it all or you're just doing it all you work with him which is why it's important to crave holy spirit and know what holy spirit's saying so you can abide in that so when god sends forth his word and it says it will not return to him void you have to take that word and return it to him so when god gives you a word it's because he knows that This is the word I'm giving to you because it's relevant and I see what is going to come at you with culture or even in your life and you're going to have to endure somehow. So I'm going to give you this word so you can remember that to walk through this. Why else would God give you a word, you know? And um, when Hebrews says that the word of God is alive and active, it's like a double edged sword. Well, you're the you're the second edge of the sword. He gives you the word, but you also have to speak it to fight. God's word not returning void means that you have to act on that word and you have to give it back to God. You have a part to play because it's collaboration. But God says that if you take that word and, and you speak it and you act on it and you are a doer of the word and you, and you fight the fight of faith rather than shipwreck somewhere. You know, when Jesus said to his disciples this one time, Sorry, I don't know where it's at. I don't have the entire Bible memorized. (laughs) (laughs) But Whitney says, I I can't tell you the address. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I find it so interesting that Jesus is like, we're going to go to the other side. Jesus goes and he prays and his disciples are just struggling, man, on the sea with this storm. Jesus, you know, comes walking on the water. And um, I think he was walking on the water. I think he was walking. He was either walking on the water or he was sleeping. I'm sorry about that. Point being, you know, the disciples were tripping and they're like, and Jesus is like, oh, you have little faith. And, you know, I think about being in a storm, you know, in your life. And then I think about <laughs> God saying, oh, you have little faith to me. <laughs> and being like, bro, <laughs> you know, but this is, Jesus said, we're going to go to the other side. So he gave them the word already. Yeah. You know, like, why are you tripping over the storm? I said, we're going to the other side. Mm. So rather than like taking that word, you know, and being like, oh, Jesus said, we're going to make it to the other side. You know, it, 
essentially Jesus was being like, if you would act on faith, you know, you wouldn't shipwreck and, and the word would not be void. Like, what did I tell you? So when I am going through things and enduring through things, you know, it's easy to like become self-focused on your life. But, you know, there's a culture out there that is hurting, even though they don't even know they're hurting sometimes. And they're seeking things that um, satisfy them for a time being, but then just leaves them empty and void. And the only thing that doesn't return void is the word of God. And, um, but I'm saying you won't see the manifestation of that happen unless you take that word and you return it back to God and it flourishes with, like, you make it flourish. Like, in the garden, God put Adam and Eve to what? Work and tend the garden, right? And Ezekiel prophesied about our hearts being a garden. You have to work and tend your heart, too. And, and there's certain words that God gives us that we have to work and tend to our heart so it can become like a Garden of Eden. Hmm. You know, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is like a tree of life. And I've had to really hold on to that scripture a lot because... It's funny you say that. Oh, yeah, why? It's just really relevant. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Relevancy. What do you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, like what was it a desire fulfilled is like a tree of life Mm -hmm. you know and Chandra shared that before in a huddle she said faith is the substance of things hoped for the things not yet seen yeah and to get your hopes up because so many times even with creativity we're we're told don't get your hopes up Mm -hmm. you know don't be surprised if it doesn't go the way that you think you're going to sorry who's who's Chandra my sister sister. okay gotcha yeah um but yeah, to get your hopes up. She shared that one time, and it's still stuck with me till this day mm-hmm. because we're always told, don't get your hopes up. You know, you don't want to get disappointed, blah, blah, blah. And the truth is we end up disappointed whether we got our hopes up or not. The difference is we're speaking not life-giving words to ourselves in return and, and putting that in instead of having faith that it's going to happen. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so just a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. Mm-hmm. And it's just like you said when Jesus gave the word, hey, we're going to make it across that. Mm-hmm. And they were tripping over the storm. I think that we get caught up a lot more in the storm than we do the word that he's given us. Mm-hmm. And so that was just really relevant. On that, too, to tie it, to tie it, that whole thing <laughs> back around <laughs> to your question, uh, culture has to taste and see that God's good. That means the fruit in your life has to be produced by Holy Spirit. And the fruit in your life, like you have to tend and work the garden of your heart. And you have to... You have to work the word that God gives you so it doesn't return void, so it flourishes, so people can taste and see the goodness of God. And that is how you overcome culture with relevancy. Because if you walk past someone who don't know Jesus, they see the light. And they're going to taste and see that God is good through you and me. Yeah. It's funny that you were talking about fruit. Um, I had a thought the other day, and it was like, how does fruit go bad? And it's when it's disconnected from the tree. Yeah. When it's disconnected from the vine. Yes. And so I feel like a lot of people have fruit in their life that they call fruit, but the inside's actually rotten and it's spoiled. But the fruit that's connected to the tree. (laughs) Yeah. The fruit that's connected to the tree. That's what's fresh. That's what you crave. That's what you actually desire. Yeah. Um so adding on to that, uh just to try and make it a little more um little more specific uh, to things in our culture. 
Um, we've got like uh, we've got movies, television, um, music, uh, and other things like that. And so, you think we can keep up with the trends and such as long as we are keeping in step with the Lord, as long as what we are producing is of the Lord. Um, so like music, you've got, there's a lot of controversy over like hip hop artists, uh, Christian hip hop artists that are talking about real things about, uh, drugs and, um, you know, their past sin life and stuff like that. And they're not, uh, they claim that they aren't, uh, exalting that stuff. They're just putting it into the light, relating on it and then pointing back to Jesus. Um, so is that something that we can do? as Christians, or should we try and stay away from that? What do you think? Okay. I believe that, first of all, you said keep it, keeping up with what is cool or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, but I believe also that we, we up it and we start leading, mm. and we, we advance into new territory because... Um, so what you're saying, rather than keeping up with trends, making our own trends. Making new ones because God does a new thing, but we got to perceive it. Right. And God is cool. God's he, he is cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that, you know. Sorry, I just, I got a, no, I good. had a vision of Jesus just like in a flat build hat, you know, with a, yeah, <laughs> some chains around his neck. Some Jordans. <laughs> yes. Yes. He's a cool, cool dude. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's your next mural. Maybe, man. Who knows? <laughs> Thank you for inspiring me. She, totally. she, she just gets up and runs out. She's like, i got to do this right now. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. <laughs> It'll be outside your house right here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I also, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that you have to do, okay, we'll just use music as an example. Mm -hmm. I don't think that a person has to do Christian music to glorify God. If there is a pure motive, if it is life-giving, and if it is, you know, motivated by love, I believe that it can bless and touch people. Now, the thing with, like, people talking about their past, like, you know, if they have a past of doing drugs or whatever, and they're talking about that all the time, some people can say that they're not exalting it and point back to Jesus. But I'm saying, is there freedom in it? Mm -hmm. Because if they don't say the freedom part of it, there's no testimonial part of it, and they are exalting it. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, to add on to what you just said about not having to um, create Christian music per se, I completely agree with that. We've talked about that a couple times, I think, on the show. Maybe it was just in our casual talking. Um, but so David, for instance, he doesn't want to create Christian music, but he does want to create music. Mm -hmm. um, but in that, he wants to share the gospel with the people that he touches because yeah. of his music. Yeah. Um, and so I, I completely agree that you're it doesn't have to have the art itself does not have to have the Christian agenda. Right. It's what's behind the art. Yes. It's what's in the creator. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've heard it put this way too. I think it was at a passion conference. Um, I think it was Louis Giglio. I think that's how you say his name. Um, but he was talking about jeans. Oh, yeah. um, he was saying that like somebody who just has a passion for jeans, like they want to make jeans, they want to, you know, make, make this clothing. They don't have to put just, um, just some random Bible verse on it. 
Right. They don't have <laughs> they don't have to put a picture of Jesus on the back pocket. Right. Uh, but what they can do is they can make those jeans out of the best quality materials they can find. They can charge the price that is relevant to those Mm -hmm. materials. Then they can use that money to advance the gospel. Yeah. Whether it's to third world countries who need water or or clean water or who need Bibles or what have, what have you. Um, that is how they can use that creativity, their artwork that God has gifted them with to, advance the gospel Mm -hmm. um and so i don't think a lot of people realize that i certainly didn't a few years ago because i was pushing david to make christian music i was like you need it you know you need to do this for god um but then like i I, (laughs) like i am bro (laughs) do it do it (laughs) um but so like it, it took me a while to realize that yeah that it doesn't have to be in your face christian um to it still advance the gospel, right? Um, to still make disciples of Christ, to still plant the seed, right? Um, yeah, and you got to think about. I'm oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. You're um, good. You got to think about people who are in the storms of their life. You know, mm-hmm. they're probably not listening to Christian music. You know, right, they're yeah. they're listening to secular music, and um, they're just looking for hope in that. Yeah. And so that's like you're saying. It's like that's the vehicle that we have. Yeah, to reach people. Yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, I actually had somebody make the make the argument um, against what we're talking about, uh, who still said that you still need to make Christian music, you still need to do this, uh, quote unquote, for God. Um, their argument was that you know you need to reach as many people as you can, and I don't think we're called to do that. We're, we are called to make disciples in all nations, but it's up to God on the number that we reach out to. Of course we reach out to whoever we can, but we shouldn't put that, put so much weight on our shoulders. I think ju- that just reaching the one is just as important as it is reaching the 100. Um, and so even though you may come into contact with fewer people in the administrative side of music or artwork or whatever, that's just as important as all the people that you could reach if you were making Christian music and they just decided to listen to Christian music that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I think it's really important that you said that um, because it's up to us to spread the gospel, uh, but God is the one who does the changing in the heart. Yes. He does the work in the heart. Um, it's that collaboration mm-hmm. uh, that you're talking about. Um, and so we just need to remember that we should reach as many people as we can um, but not to put this unnecessary burden on our hearts that we have to reach everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Right. It is. It's supposed to be light and easy. And uh, if it's not, you're actually not living by the spirit. Because we're supposed to put the pressure on God, not ourselves. Yeah. And um, I think that going on with what with what you were saying. Um, I think if people are more concerned about a number of who they reach, it becomes more of a project than a re- than a relationship. Like mm. people are people, man. I believe the intention is really people want to see Jesus in you. When Jesus took the time to know people, to know people, to believe in people, to empower people, to develop people, to heal people, to minister to people. He, Jesus was always going somewhere, man, and he would just stop. 
you know like he was never like oh sorry i gotta go somewhere you know I'm so, i gotta reach someone over here i don't have time for you you know got an appointment over here. yeah and i think that um i mean i think it's awesome what like david is doing and to be honest i i believe that creative people who are christians they should be they are collaborating with God. They should be collaborating with the lost people. Yeah. Which means, like, you probably aren't going to be doing quote-unquote Christian stuff, but you're going to be doing relational stuff. People don't care how much you know. People care about how much that you care about them. And if you are being loved, love always wins, and eventually there is going to be a door for you to minister to them. Mm. You know, if you keep sowing into people with love and intentionality even when it's undeserved you know when i'm leading for the uh, high school group at church uh, that's something that uh, the high school pastor says a lot is that they don't care how much you know they want to know how much you care about them and then Mm -hmm. once they see how much you care about them that's when they'll listen to how much you know (laughs) yeah Hmm. yeah 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 um so we've talked about the importance of creativity in the christian lifestyle um, the importance of getting it out to the people uh, who are not Christians. Uh, but how can we implement creativity into the church? Mm-hmm. How do you think we can do that? Right. Uh, yeah. Because there's there's plenty of people, plenty of Christians in the church who are creative, but they don't really see their value of their artwork in the church, whether it's music or uh, videography or murals, uh, actual artwork, mm-hmm. painting. Mm-hmm. Right, so I guess I can only really speak from experience on this one. Yeah. And I think that um, for creativity to come, I think that it really is coming back in in churches, if I'm being real. I mean, you see it in their videos. You see it in their bumpers. You see it. Mostly, I think you see it in the tech team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? (laughs) During this virus, I mean. Yeah. Like. Yeah. You can sit (laughs) on your couch and you can be, I mean, you can be connected with God, you know? Yeah. Just the way people that together it's just amazing i know praise god for all of that i think that um i think that it is still i mean we see it in worship too it's growing creativity and the worship is growing as well i believe what we're going to see even more is going to be in fashion and makeup and you know painting and drawing and maybe even like comics or you know there is uh, there is actually a comic series called the kingstone bible Really? Do I have yeah. that? I think I have it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I think I do have it. And uh, even though this is not at all what Jesus looked like, uh, it's still fitting into like the comic, you know, style and stuff. And so Jesus is like, it's like this white Jesus with blonde hair, and he's like super buff, like extremely <laughs> oh toned goodness. out. Sounds like Thor. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Essentially. All right, ladies. <laughs> Calm down. But the Bible, the Bible says that uh, Jesus wasn't even like a beautiful person, right? Physically, yeah. You know, he was nothing of the sort of what they thought a savior would look like, and so that's the only thing that I have about the Kingstone Bible that I'm like, eh. I mean, you could have been more accurate with that, but yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, Jesus, I had a conversation with Winnie one day, and I was saying, you know, it's really cool that. The people that Jesus walked up to, you know, his disciples, they weren't, like, necessarily the first pick that anyone else would pick, you know? Yeah. And he would just come up and be like, yo, follow me. And it doesn't even say, you know, that 
there was like literally no convincing they just followed him and it's because jesus was so authentic and jesus i believe it's because jesus believed in them and it gave them a sense of purpose so when it comes to creativity authenticity is so important mm. and believing in people is so important be especially because if you are going to try to build a creative team it is going to look more like artists as a whole and that means they're going to have to be vulnerable <laughs> yeah. and that is always a scary place to be you have to be willing to to um know how to connect with creative people you have to to know how to empower them how to even lay down even your own ideas because <laughs> creative people are pretty selfish you know and they uh, creative people i've found are more have a competitive spirit rather than a collaborative spirit outside of the church and um not all the time i'm not saying that as a whole but you run into it the more creative people are in a group and when you are trying to develop that in the church it's important to know what your vision is because if you have a unified vision then it, then communication is like easier yeah and then that makes collaboration easier but there has to be there has to be room for holy spirit which means the head of that house submission is so important like i believe that every creative person needs to learn how to submit and needs to learn how to lay down their ideas like humility is so important and then um when you when you see that when you see the humility there and the submission there you gain like respect in the in the leader's house and when there is a when they also believe in that person and they see that it creates opportunity and trust there for for creativity to happen because i think a lot of people who don't have creativity in their churches because they don't trust it and they're afraid of it because sometimes it comes out rebellious or dark or whatnot yeah. you know mm -hmm. yeah hopefully that made sense no it did yeah so the more that you're willing to have humility within your creativity the more opportunities will actually be presented to you because you've learned to submit to somebody that mm -hmm. may have the vision right it's a two-way street though it's definitely a two-way street between the um you know the pastor whoever is head of the church the leader there and the creative people it's not just one-sided and i think right. people like to blame one another you know yeah, yeah. Um, I, I can already hear um, some uh, comments that some of our listeners may have uh, as far as having creativity in the church. Uh, I want to go ahead and say that it is definitely important to have creativity in that church and to take advantage of the talents that God has given us, but it's not essential. God will still move in a church even though there's not creativity. Um, let's say, uh, let's talk about the, uh, the, the small church that doesn't have the money for mm -hmm. it or the means to it. Uh, they're not going to fail because they don't have a creative team. They're not going to fail because they don't have beautiful artwork in their church or a great worship team. God is still going to move through them. It's not essential, but it's also not something that we should ignore when we when God presents us with the opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that's that's really what we're trying to get at in this show. See, I would say like within those churches, even if they don't have the money or the means or the finances for all of the extra stuff, they still have the power and the ability to be creative with what they do have and what they're given. Yeah, that's where that's where you really find where your creativity is at is when you have little. Yep. When a church embraces creativity, they're no longer quenching Holy Spirit. That's my take on it. That's your take on it. It's mm -hmm. not always the 
Like, it's nice to have those outlets for creative people, but creativity is, is also just problem solving. Yeah. You know? But, like, I don't, I don't think someone has to, quote, unquote, have a creative team. But I think that they should all be exercising creativity in the church yeah. in their design. Cre- creativity in the church and you can have creativity just in your ministry right, and how yeah. you reach out to right. the community around around the church. Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because uh, the church that David and I grew up in, we uh, this is actually something that I was really proud of them for doing. Uh, they were trying to figure out how to get more children into the church. And so what they did was they bought a bus to go around uh, the community and they reached out to people that, you know, they didn't just walk up to somebody's door with a bus and be like, Hey, let's take your children. No, they didn't do that. But they, they put, they put out advertisements, um, uh, for the church. And then on Sundays and Wednesdays, they would drive around the neighborhood to the, uh, to the people who wanted their children to go, but they didn't have the means to get their children to the church. Like the, either the family was too busy or, um, the family was sick. Uh, the children could still come to the church by the bus and then they would take them home afterwards. And so that, I thought that was a really good children's outreach. Um, and so that, that took creativity that took yeah. sitting down, brainstorming how you can fix this right. or how you can meet this need and then doing it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, it's the exact same mindset that they use there that other churches use for having a video team. Mm-hmm. Um, having an online service, stuff like that. I hear people talk all the time about how churches don't need cameras. They don't need uh, their ministry online or anything like that. And I think that I think that's just a, a spirit of pride in their hearts um, because they're not churches, the majority. Some there may be some, uh, you know, prideful intent in some churches. Uh, but for the most part, if a church is actually growing from the Holy Spirit, then they're not using cameras and online services and uh, bigger worship services to exalt themselves. Mm-hmm. They're using it to proclaim mm-hmm. the name of Jesus mm-hmm. where they can and where they've been given the means to. And I think that I think that is the exact same as taking a bus out into the community and picking up children to bring them to church when they can't come. Uh, people just want to shame creativity so much when I, th- I think it's authentic. You know, I think it's authentic- authentically for the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, to some people, yeah. it challenges them to have to think creative. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's not something that comes always easy. Like David was talking about earlier, sometimes it's a challenge to push through. And I think that sometimes when people don't embrace creativity and aren't being led by the Holy Spirit, it's because they don't want to step up and do the extra and go the extra mile and submit as well. Well, okay. So on on to what both of y'all are saying. So creativity should take you into unknown places and out of your comfort zone. I believe a lot of, don't hate me, churches out there. <laughs> <laughs> But I believe that people can get comfortable and where they're at, and that's what keeps them from being relevant and being in sync with the move of God. Because if you think about, like, we should really be investing in uh, the army rising a lot, too. And what's going to reach them? It's going to be creativity. 
those kids, man, <laughs> those students, they're all about the videos and the photos and what's cool and the sound and all of that. Yeah. And so to a certain extent, I think that we do need to keep up and start the new thing rather than just stay and fall in the old because you're just going to fall away. You're going to fall asleep. Yeah. New gifting has got to be wa- waking up inside of people. Just like a person you know, is saved and they're awake, there's giftings inside people that need to be waking up. Right. Creativity needs to be waking up. And creativity is not um, afraid. Creativity is bold. Mm-hmm. And um, it doesn't shrink back from a challenge. Yeah, it has to evolve. Yes. We have to evolve with the changing yes. times and who we're reaching out to. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so either one of y'all uh, pick up on the word evolve and what you mean by that, because I've heard people use it before, and people usually fight that word. They're like, the, the church doesn't have to change. The church doesn't have to evolve. It's got God to move it. Uh, so it kind of elaborate what you mean by evolve and how you mean that with the Holy Spirit. I think that because culture is evolving, we also as a church have to evolve mm-hmm. yeah. um, and, and do better with who we're reaching um, because there were things, you know, 50 years ago that people didn't have access to that they have access to now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't just mean like because they don't have access to it, uh, we should reach them. It, it's because they do have access to these uh, forms of social media mm-hmm. um, and social outreach platforms that we should start to get on those and move on that to reach more people like the definition of evolve is developed gradually especially from a simple to a more complex form Mm. and so to me evolve is like meeting someone where they're at like paul said i became all things to all men so they might know christ and i think using those as a vehicle to reach people because i feel like a lot of churches stay stuck in old ways just like the pharisees and sadducees because it's more of a religious, it's what they want, what they're used to. But the church is the bride of Christ. We're meant to reach the lost. We're not meant to keep ourselves spiritually fat. We're supposed to be an active body. Yeah. Like, it is a funny statement, but it's true. We're more, a lot of talk has actually come up about church being its own culture and being stuck in its own way. And it, it like, the goal of the church is to reach the lost. And so <laughs> if it's not doing that, it's, it's not really glorifying God at that point, but to evolve to me is to meet someone where they're at. Mm-hmm. What about you, Leish? Um, I had one more thing to say. Uh, and so talking about the church evolving and talking about the church not getting stuck in its own culture, um, I think that comes from the church focusing so much on itself and working inwards rather than outwards. Um, so... Obviously, obviously, there needs to be some sort of standard within the church, and I think that standard is the Bible. Um, and then reaching out, I think that's where we can evolve our outreach, our ministry. And I think that's what churches are doing with, like, the buses and the online ministries and stuff like that. Um, but so let me pose this question. Uh, right now we're in the middle of uh, maybe hopefully on the downhill side of a quarantine um, and so churches have not been able to meet, and so they've moved to online services for the most part. Um, and I've heard there's this podcast that I listen to called Pastors Talk, led by Jonathan Lehman and uh, Mark Dever. They're both pastors over in Washington D.C. Um, and uh, they they posed the potential problem 
that people will start to feel that they can just attend church online after this, that they don't have to meet in community, um, that they can just watch online and then be done with it. Their worry about that, their, their concern about that is that churches will cater to that. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's one thing that people envision when they hear the word evolve or changing in the church. And so um, that's where the Bible standard has to come in. Right. I think that there's a difference to me between um, like having a way to to get church to people and people relying on that because then that becomes their own heart, right? It's mm-hmm. like the church did their job, right? They provided an opportunity for someone to listen to the church without actually being there if they can't um, because, you know, we all we are called to meet. And I think that if the person relies on that, that's more of the intentions of their heart um, rather than the church just wanting to or the evolving turning into something that it's not supposed to. Right. I think that the people do that. Um, so there's definitely an individual responsibility there. Yeah. Um, but then it's also the responsibility of the church to once this quarantine is over to get those people back into the community, not per se the building, but back into the community that is the church. Agreed. So we are born for such a time as this, right? Yeah. yeah. And the Bible says that we're supposed to be transformed from glory to glory, which it, to me is evolving. You're going from glory to glory to mm-hmm. glory. When you go from glory to glory, that means there's going to be a deeper darkness and a deeper darkness and a deeper darkness. Because yeah. where there is deep darkness, the glory of the Lord's going to rise upon. And we're mm-hmm. supposed to arise and shine. So if a person is not wanting, is wanting to be comfortable with this online stuff and, and, and not using the quarantine to stir a hunger or be more disciplined or to find out, oh my goodness, you know, there's got to be more than this, you know what I'm saying? You know, I do, I agree with you. I think that um, it is an individual responsibility. I think that the church is doing well with transforming from glory to glory by getting the gospel out because that's what they're doing now the people who are already in the church who are already disciples of christ it is their responsibility to stay disciplined i mean discipline disciple comes from the word discipline yeah and a church is supposed to be kind of like a training ground you know like like the building Mm -hmm. of it is supposed to be a training ground we are supposed to go out and be the church yeah and so it's like are you taking responsibility to make God your first love, man? Because if you're in love, you're going to do the right thing. Yeah. If you, if you love God, you don't got to think about how do I need to change? How do I need to evolve? What do I need to do? No, man. <laughs> you just love God so much. You're going to love people, and you're gonna, it's going to overflow from you. And you're going to want to learn you're going to have a hunger there to want to go to church to want to read your bible to want to seek the face of the lord you're going to have a hunger to want to just stop while you're going somewhere to just talk to someone who looks like they're having like a bad day you're going to want to you're not going to have to try because it's that love that transforms you and motivates you and ultimately wins in the long run it's not going to church it's not 
doing the right thing, you know, it's not doing all these works, it's not, you know, even necessarily even stewarding your gifts, you know, if you're going to be creative, it's not, creativity is not a talent or a gift, really, it's a lifestyle, it's a lifestyle of living like Jesus, and what did Jesus do, man, he didn't sit around and be comfortable, no, even when he was tired, he welcomed the crowds, man. He, he never turned away a crowd. Never turned away a crowd. Even when he isolated himself to pray, which in this quarantine, maybe it should challenge some people while they're isolated to pray. Yeah. Because a crowd's coming, man. Are you ready for the crowd? Because that's real talk. And this, you know, when Jesus was like, when the, when the multitude came to Jesus... And they were, they were hungry. You know, the disciples are, are trying to be like, um, we need to send these people away. Like, we don't got food. You know, they need to go get food. And Jesus is just like, wait, man. <laughs> just just wait. Like, he was unwilling to turn the hungry crowd away. And I just want to add to that. By the way, he was exhausted by this point. He had been preaching all day long. Yeah, man. He was exhausted. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he was exhausted. And when you when you are satisfied by Jesus and he he satisfies your hunger and your thirst and you're living a righteous life. Because those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. If you're not hungering or thirsting for righteousness, you're gonna be filled with whatever you're hungering and thirsting for, and it's not gonna satisfy. But when you are satisfied by him and there is a hungry crowd coming your way. You have what you what you need for them. Like a lot of people, I think, look at the crowd and they're like, oh, my gosh, this is so overwhelming. I'm not good enough. I'm not equipped to this. I fall short. You know, I don't even know. Like they start feeling so insecure. And God's like, bro, I've equipped you for this crowd. Just take that two fish, you know, that that bread, just multiply it. Bring it to me. What you have inside of you will multiply and be more than enough for the crowd. And I believe that out of this quarantine, people are, there's, there is a hunger in people right now and they're being filled with that righteousness and they're knowing the love of God and they're going to go out and they're going to be facing impossible situations in massive crowds and they're not going to shrink back from them and they're not going to turn them away, but they're going to be like, okay, I'm going to give you what I have, which it may just be like two fish and some loaves, but I know that I abide with Jesus and he's going to multiply and they're going to there's going to be an abundance there. And because they are hungering and thirsting for what is true and they're really searching for what is true, they're going to be filled. And and people are going to taste and see that God is good. Yeah. And then that is going to be that's going to be a chain reaction. And the knowledge of the glory of God is going to be known throughout all of the earth. But. How are you going to come out of this quarantine, my friends? Are you, are you are you satisfying your hunger with the only one who can satisfy, which is Jesus? To where you can get out of this quarantine and you can face life knowing that you've been transformed from one level of glory to the next. And you're here to exalt the name of Jesus and know that God is on your side and he is for you and he overflows from you. Or are you going to shrink back in comfort? Because it is your responsibility. As a church, as a body of Christ, you all have your own responsibility. And it's important to take your place. You know, I think that 
this one time and I I was teaching the creative team about being a starving artist versus a thriving artist and you can relate that to just as a person in general like as a disciple as a creative being the starving person is always chasing something and you're chasing something because you you are hungering and desiring for something right and but the thing is, is you're supposed to run with the vision. You don't chase it. You're supposed to be empowered. It's easy and it's light. The thriving artist is empowered and runs with the vision. The starving artist is always going to be, has an earn mentality. You got to earn, 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 try, try, try. But the thriving artist, no, they're generous. Because God provides for all their needs. And they give. And because they give and they sow, God gives more to them and abundantly more than what they ask for. Because he provides for all of their needs. The starving artist is always putting themselves out there. Putting themselves out there. Just, they don't know where they're supposed to be. They're just, you know, I'm going to put my stuff out here, here, here. I'm going to go this place, this place, this place. And it's everywhere. And they get exhausted. But the thriving artist knows their place. And they step in line with their placement and where they're called to be. And so I know that I use that as like an artist, but as a, as a human being, if we would stop, you know, the world is always trying to chase, is always trying to earn, and is always trying to put out. But it, when you are empowered by God, you're, you're going to be empowered and you're going to be you're going to give and be provided for and it's going to be it's not you're not going to be trying and it's not going to be in your strength you have to die to your strength you have to die to what you know for the holy spirit to actually come through because i believe even myself i know i'm quenching holy spirit in ways and i don't want that i pray every day i'm like god please search out any religious thing within me you know i humble myself to you I, I want to die to myself. You know, I want to be able to stand before God. And I just want to say, good job. You did everything I told you to do. I do not want to stand before God and have him say, you know, your strength got in the way. If you would have just given me your strength and let my Holy Spirit come through, if you would put your confidence in me when you thought that, that you didn't really know, any, like you didn't have the knowledge to do it or you weren't equipped to do it, you would find that being secure in me is going to take you to greater heights and your insecurity is going to keep you right there. That's good. Because, you know, God says, I, I believe that part of evolving is doing it different, but you're still doing it you. Do it different, but do it you. Get to know your new self. Mm -hmm. You know, part of, of evolving and being the new and transforming with the word of God and not conforming with what's happening in culture, in the quarantine and anything else is, is shaking off old things, transforming into your new creation. Cause there's this one time, you know, like I was like, God was telling me to do something. And I was like, man, I don't know about that. Which doesn't really seem like me. And he's like, well, that's not fair. You don't even know who you are. I created you. And if you think about it, the things that God asked us to do, if we would not even look at the situation, the environment, the people in, involved or whatnot, we would say yes, right? Because we love God and we want to be obedient. And it's all those other factors that seem foreign to us that, that hold us back. But I'm telling you, man, all y'all, myself, everyone, new territory, the new thing, but you got to perceive it. 
you got to perceive it and we have to we have to learn to operate by the wisdom from above that ultimately seems foolish mm. yeah um two things that i'll add on to what you were saying uh was so in the metaphor of the starving artist uh, knowing his or her place um the way that Christians today can know their place is to stay in the word despite not being able to go to church, to keep in prayer despite not being able to pray with their friends and their community, and to still spread the gospel. We are still able to spread the gospel. We're not hindered from doing that just because we're in a self-isolation or a quarantine. I don't think there's a single American that has stayed in their home the entirety of this quarantine. They've at least gone to the store once. I hope uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a really intense fasting and prayer. Oh, like ev- even, <laughs> yeah, even my, my mother who is extremely immune compromised, she's had to go to the store. And so we're, we're not stumped from spreading the gospel, from being children of light, from letting our light shine. So we should know our place, even though we're starving from our community. Uh, I'm reminded of the parable of the farmer who had a wheat field and his enemy came in over the night and planted weeds throughout his field. And the next morning, you know, the weeds had grown up and the servant came to the farmer and he said, what should we do? Should we just go ahead and go pluck out all the weeds? And the farmer said, no, let it all grow together. And then when we glean the fields, the weeds will expose themselves. Um, and I think, and that is referring to Judgment Day. Uh, that is profi- prophesying towards that. But I think it's also relevant to what we're, what's happening right now. I think the church is being gleaned. And I think that God is going to expose those, those Christians, or quote-unquote Christians, who are not really relying on God, they're relying on their own strengths. He's going to expose the thriving artist's Versus the starving artist, I think is how you put it. Yeah. And so this is the time of self-reflection. Are you relying on yourself or are you relying on God? Because even though we are called to community and to not forsake the assemblies, we know that God is still sufficient even when we can't do that. Right. And so this isn't an excuse just to give up on God. This is, this is a chance to show how devout you are to God, how much you love for God, um, to the world and to yourself. You know, we are, uh, this is our chance to, I've already said it, self-reflect. And so, yeah, I completely agree with you. I think it is an amazing opportunity for us to recognize how God created us and learn the creativity that he's put inside of us. Yeah, Uh, there was one more question that I wanted to have. Um, and I think we've already answered it, but, uh, I'll just go ahead and put it out there in layman's terms. Um, so sharing the gospel through creativity, uh, that's something that, uh, that's a question that I think should be posed. We've already kind of said it, um, you know, sharing the gospel through administrative work behind the music or behind the artwork, um, or using the money, the means that God has given you through your talent, your gifts, your creativity to share the gospel uh, in other in unreached places. 
Is there anything that y'all would have to add on to that? So this is scripture where it says, uh, how beautiful are the feet of those who publish good news. And um, really, with if you're sharing the gospel, you're, just, you're sharing good news, man. And that means uh, you're a messenger. And I think that it's, ju- it's important to know how are you a messenger? How do you deliver? Mm-hmm. You know, and again, that just goes back. That just goes back to know ide- knowing identity and knowing your design and how God made you. I find that, um, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but I tend to notice that I kind of seem to attract the same types of people who go through the ta- kind of the same types of stuff. Or, you know what I'm saying? Or, or people come and ask me for advice kind of about the same types of things. Yeah. And it's because I was designed to deliver good news into that situation. You know, and um, not to say that that's, you're just limited to that. Mm-hmm. But um, I do believe that the people that you're around, that's intentional. Yeah. Like where you're working is intentional. You know, even the grocery store that you go to, that's intentional. The restaurant that you go to all the time and the server that you get all the time, that's intentional, man. And it's like, are you being a messenger? And sometimes sharing the good news isn't, like, always straightforward. You know, just know who you are and is what you are expressing and delivering, is it good? The one thing I find about being a messenger is, like, there is, I believe in this time, there is a sense of urgency and that things need to get delivered on time. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And so we can take our time getting to know somebody, getting to know how we can share the gospel with them, uh, letting opportunities come up, but we should also still be urgent. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe that, um, okay, so t- two ways that you can minister to people. One is with your life. What are you publishing with your life? Are you publishing good news with your life? That's good. And then know, be aware of, don't force it, but be aware of the op- of what is an opportunity. Because the thing is, is like, if an opportunity comes, are you going to step in and be the messenger Mm. rather than just make something happen? Yeah. You know? Well, if there's no more questions or any more comments, uh, I'm going to ask Alicia to lead us out in prayer. Father, we thank you and we praise you. You're an awesome God. We love you and we're in awe of you. It is such a humbling thing (laughs) to know that you you want us and that you've called us from the farthest corner and that you've given us a plan and a purpose and it is a prosperous one. Father, I thank you for this podcast and what you're doing through this. I thank you for the people that you've appointed over it and I thank you that they are anointed. I thank you, God, that you're leading them into new territory, that you are empowering them and that you are providing and upgrading everything that they need, Father. I thank you (laughs) that your anointing destroys the yoke. And God, I know that things that were talked about here, you know, people are always going to agree and disagree. But I thank you for truth and light. I thank you for the wisdom and the revelation in it. And I thank you that ultimately you are the one that exposes. You are the one that enlightens. You are the one who is at work. And your word says that when you start a good work, you be finishing it. So, Father, we go ahead and we praise you that you are finishing the good work that you've begun. I thank you that you've given us 
creative power and you've given us authority. And God, all that was spoken today, I thank you that you are giving the listeners and the hearers, God, that you're showing them action steps to take. Because it's nice to hear something good, but we got to do it. So, Father, I thank you that you're giving them wisdom, that you're leading and ordering their steps, that they're being confident in who they are, that they're knowing you, that they're that you are pouring your Holy Spirit of wisdom and revelation into their life. You're enlightening the eyes of their heart. Their minds are being transformed. They're knowing you personally because your presence is personal. And they're knowing the hope to what you've called them to, God. And it is it is such a high call. And that you empower them to walk in a manner worthy of their calling. And they produce good fruit. And they endure with joy, fully pleasing to you, God. I thank you for your workmanship. And I thank you, Father, for a boldness that is rising up to boldly proclaim and speak your word and who they are in confidence, Father. I thank you. I thank you that your gospel does advance, your kingdom does advance, and that your will is done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray all these things in your name, God. Amen. Amen. Thanks again, guys, for joining in on the show. This is Free Wine and Unleavened Bread. We'll see you again next week.